Welcome to The Big Rich Show. This podcast will focus on conversations with friends and acquaintances within the four-wheel drive industry. Many of the people that I will be interviewing, you may know the name, you may know some of the history, but let's get in depth with these people and find out what truly makes them a four-wheel drive enthusiast. So now's the time to sit back, grab a cold one, and enjoy our conversation. Whether you're crawling the Red Rocks of Moab or hauling your toys to the trail, Maxxis has the tires you can trust for performance and durability. Four wheels or two, Maxxis tires are the choice of champions because they know that whether for work or play, for fun or competition, Maxxis tires deliver. Choose Maxxis. Dread victoriously. Why should you read Four Low Magazine? Because Four Low Magazine is about your lifestyle, the four-wheel drive adventure lifestyle that we all enjoy. Rock crawling, trail riding, event coverage, vehicle builds, and do-it-yourself tech all in a beautifully presented package. You won't find Four Low on the newsstand rack, so subscribe today and have it delivered to you. On today's episode of Conversations with Big Rich, we have Andy Lillenthal. Andy has been around the off-road and rock crawling world for quite a while. I know he got his start in some other things, media stuff, but hes uh, I've known him basically for probably his entire career at Warren, which I thought was one stint but ends up being a bunch of them. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Andy's uh, personal life. And uh, Andy, thank you so much for coming on board. Yeah, it's my pleasure, Rick. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries. So let's start off with uh, where were you born and raised? Yeah, so I was born in St. Paul, Minnesota, and uh, spent about almost 18 years there. I, I lived in Mississippi, actually, for a short period of time, about 18 months as, as a youngster, and then uh, moved back up to uh, uh, the frigid north, and then uh, uh Went off to Wisconsin in uh, 2000, I'm sorry, 96, I guess. I went off to Wisconsin and and uh, went off to school there and then ended up living full-time in Milwaukee, Wisconsin for about a little over five years and uh, then made the move out to the West Coast in 2006 to take uh, the job with Warren Industries. And that's where I've been full-time ever since. Okay, well, let's let's dive deep into into some of this this history with uh, growing up in St. Paul that's Twin Cities area like you said it's the frigid northern part of the country we have a daughter a daughter and a son that live up in that area and uh yeah it's cold so what did you uh what did you do growing up for for entertainment or activity <laughs> oh what did i do so um you know i i i I guess uh what did I do? Boy, I did a I did a lot of um a lot of car stuff when I was a little kid. Like Hot Wheels were my 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 jam. Right. You know, Hot Wheels matchbox stuff as a as a young kid. I never really got into the action figure thing that much. You know, my my parents bought me my first Hot Wheels, I guess, when I was two years old and I was hooked on cars ever since. So um so, you know. I played video games, mostly car racing, video games, that kind of stuff as a kid. Uh, and then when I was old enough to actually have a car, that's when 
you know, the floodgates to the, my automotive passion really just kind of opened up, you know, it's all I wanted to do was car stuff, you know, whether that was just cruising around as a kid in high school or, or, you know, working on cars, you know, in college, that kind of stuff. Uh, everything I've done has always been about cars. Even like when I was in, in college, I, I have a psychology degree, which doesn't do much for me in the off-roading industry, but, oh, uh, I beg I to differ. To, <laughs> I could so, probably pass and get a degree having been a you know an event promoter and dealing with everybody. <laughs> fair fair enough, fair enough. Uh, but I just remember like thinking when I was in college, how am I going to get into the automotive industry uh with a psych degree? And uh uh I I happen to have a or I shouldn't say happened to, I, I planned and, and ended up with a minor in journalism as well as a minor in history. And I ended up getting a job working for the school newspaper back in the nineties. And boy, I found out that I, I really liked writing. Was and that college paper or high school? That was, college it was paper. college paper. Yeah. And, uh, I ended up being a, a writer for the entertainment section. And then the year after that, I became the editor of the entertainment section and had writers working for me. And, by golly, I was able to sneak in some car content into that uh, into that publication, and my uh, my editor at the time, Corey Klein, who's still a good friend of mine, uh, good last name too. Yeah, and uh, he uh, he once told me, "You write best about what you know," and I still believe that very you know very true. I think that's a very true statement, and so. You know, my passion, I have a few passions, but my, my still number one by far is still cars and trucks and automobiles and, and all that. And so um, when I graduated college a few months later, I was able to actually get a job as a magazine editor uh, at a publication called Scale Auto Magazine. And that was all about building and collecting model cars and trucks. Okay. And Before so it was RC. just like, it was, it was... Yes, this this publication did not have anything to do with remote control. Okay. It was all about mostly about building and collecting plastic kits. So, okay. uh, you know, maybe the younger listeners aren't as familiar with building and collecting plastic models, but uh, you know, it's golden era it was really like the 60s and 70s where you'd go buy a plastic model kit and you'd glue it together and paint it and detail it and and uh I that's how I really got into got into the the industry because a lot of these features I was writing, despite the fact they were made out of plastic, I was writing and editing features on uh, the history of these vehicles and uh, you know what wh what you could do to, for instance, replicate a 392 or you know the the right kind of throttle return spring on a carburetor or the history of of Mopar colors, that kind of stuff. So all those things gave me this background on full-size car stuff. So eventually I, I had wanted to move to Oregon for many, t many years. My father had moved out here in the early nineties and I found this job working for Warren industries. And I, re I remember thinking, well, that would be cool. Like I know, I know I, I wasn't into off-roading at the time, but I respected off-road stuff. I, you know, I liked looking through four wheeler and off-road and all those publications. And I remember, I certainly saw the Warren name on, on shows on, you know, on the Sunday motorsports programming on TNN and spike and all that stuff It's probably before spike. And so, uh, I thought, well, what the heck, you know, uh, I like, I like cars and trucks and I can write, but this is for a PR position. So, 
But generally, and, and very often, as you're probably very well aware, a lot of public relations people used to be writers and editors, and a lot of writers and editors used to be PR people. So it's, it's a very uh, revolving door, you know. It's not necessarily a revolving door, but it's people swap sides of the desk all the time. Right. And that I did. I did. And I, I got the job. And uh, uh, that's when I really got into to four-wheel drives. And, and I would say I, I really, really got into four-wheel drives uh, back in, like, 2010, which is when I bought my first four-wheel drive vehicle to work on. Okay. Let's, I'm going to try to remember to come back to that. What was okay. your first vehicle? My first car overall or my yep. first off-roader? Your, oh, first, okay. your first vehicle that, that you ever got to drive. Yeah, okay. First car I ever got to, I, I'm just going to go with, it was one of two, to first ever actually drive by myself. Uh, it was either a 1990 uh, Jeep Cherokee uh, five-speed. Uh, Laredo, uh, and then then uh, uh, an oddball, which was a 1992 Mitsubishi Expo LRV, and that's a, a vehicle most people don't remember. It was only sold for, for a few years in the United States, and and we had one, and, and, and it ended up being my first car. You know, I took that off to college, and and you know, I drove it in high school, and you know, it was this is my mom's car, but you know, she let me have it. She had another car to drive, and so. Uh, uh, <laughs> it was not a cool car at the time. <laughs> it, it was, uh, it was not something, you know, I had, I had friends with, you know, four by fours and I had some friends with muscle cars and, you know, and I mean, looking back and I remember at the time, my, you know, my mom saying stuff like this, but I remember looking back thinking, I'm just glad I had wheels. You know, I was lucky to have wheels back then. Right. You know, um, but at the time, you know, I saw this kid who had this lifted CJ in college or in high school, and it was so cool, you know. And and then these guys that had the latest and greatest, you know, you know, cars in college, and I had this minivan had a sliding door, and but it wasn't even as big as a minivan, and whatever. And but <laughs> looking back, it was ex- exceptionally practical, and uh, it kind of put me on this road of uh un- what i like to call either oddities or oddballs uh or underdogs you know the, the vehicles that people just don't think about or had forgotten about or or aren't aren't uh you know the mainstream and i'll, I'll never forget back in st paul there used to be this area along university avenue this it was a big long stretch where everyone would go cruising and and by, i'm not talking just like kids i'm talking hot rods and, and big dollar stuff. And there was a drive-in called Porky's and Porky's is where all the hot rodders hung out. And my buddy, Dan Berdeski, he had a 65 Falcon with a Mustang engine in it. He'd put in it and his parents had hot rods. And I remember going down there one time, I, I was maybe like 15 and he was 16 or something. Anyway, we, we were there and we, there was a Mustang, a Ford Mustang convertible, and but it was a McLaren ASC. So before Ford was making drop top Fox body Mustangs, McLaren ASC was chopping the tops off and making these convertibles. Right. And I, I remember seeing him in like road and track or car and drive or something like that. And when we went over to him and he started talking to us and, you know, I, I remember saying like, is this a McLaren? He's like, yeah. And he said, he said something that has always resonated with me and, and really stuck with me was you know, you can see a brand new Corvette or a Ferrari or something like that on the road. And you're like, well, that's a really nice car. But if you see something really 
out there and different, that's what's going to stick with you. You're like, you can see lots of Corvettes and Ferraris and, you know, whatever. But it's that, it's that guy with like a 500 cubic inch engine sticking out of the hood of a pacer or something like that. That's <laughs> going to really go, what is that? Like, that's crazy. And I guess I've always gravitated towards that, both in on-road stuff and in off-road stuff, that uh, I, I totally respect and, and, and admire everybody's automotive passions. You know, I, I tell people... Uh, you know, we're united. If we're united by anything, we're united by horsepower, right? I don't care if it's a, if it's an on road, off road, gas, electric, whatever it is. We all have this. We all have the same bond. You know, if we can, if we can, you know, I know everybody. You know, we all tease each other about you know which you know who's more capable on the trail, the guy in the in the you know the the Jeep or the guy in the Land Cruiser or whatever. But at the end of the day, we're really all doing this for the same reason. But exactly. uh, but. I've always kind of gravitated towards more unique stuff. I've been I've been an underdog driver, I think, most of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when everybody was, when I grew up in high school, you know, it was 74 when I got my first driver's license. And everybody, you know, they had those, the 60 muscle cars, late 60s, early 70s muscle cars. Yeah. I drove a 54 Volkswagen Bug. Oh, that's awesome. Then, uh. I end. I ended up with a with a seventy one Ranchero with a three fifty one Cleveland, Ooh. and while everybody else was building El Caminos, yeah, yeah. But like that Ranchero, you're talking about you know horsepower and stuff. I I was driving across Nevada on fifty on one of those long stretches in one of those valleys, yeah, yeah, between the mountain ranges and. I saw some some headlights coming up behind me, and the guy, I was doing, oh, probably 100, 105, just <laughs> cruising, and I knew it wasn't a patrol officer, because I had the, the radar going, radar detector, but yeah. all of a sudden, this car just smokes by me at, like, at least 150, 160. I mean, just basically blew my doors off, <laughs> and I tried to wind it up and couldn't catch it. At the next town, I go to stop to get gas, and there's this Porsche 914, you know, the little pancake yeah. flat one, and it had it had a a 350 Chevy that was all built up in it. Of course, it didn't really need to be built up, just geared right to do those kind of speeds because of the yeah. power to weight. But I just looked at that and was like, yeah, now that's cool. Yeah, totally. <laughs> the, no, that's The first awesome. V8 conversion I'd seen in one. Yeah, yeah. So then uh, your first cars, then uh, what was your, in those early years, high school, what was uh, what was your thing? I mean, uh, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people in that area played hockey if they did sports um, or bowled, a lot of indoor stuff. Is yeah. that, did you have that or did you do your own thing or were you more scholastic based? No, I was, uh, I, I was, um, you know, I, as a as a kid of the '90s, you know, '80s and '90s, you know, my friends and I'd hang out. We'd you know watch watch movies, play video games, and we'd cruise a lot. You yeah. know, <laughs> summer or winter, we'd hop in a car, somebody's car, and you know, I had one friend with a Trans Am. You know, it was an '82 Trans Am, which you know, if he heard me say this, you know, <laughs> it wasn't that great, but. 
he loved it, you know. And then I had another friend that had a 74 Dodge Tradesman van with a 360 in it. And, you know, we, we promptly took out a Sawzall and cut the mufflers off on it and drove around for about an hour thinking this was the sweetest thing ever. And it was a 70s van, man. We called it Big Fat. <laughs> and it had uh, it had the uh, shag interior, the wraparound bench seat, the portal windows, everything like that. It was a seventies shag and wagon. It was it was hilarious. And uh, so you know, we did a lot of we did a lot of car stuff. You know, I had a couple of friends that really worked on cars at the time. I wasn't working on cars, but you know, but yeah, you know, we did we did indoor stuff in the wintertime, You know, um, and yeah, I mean, I was an okay student. I wasn't. You know, I was certainly no honor roll student, that's for sure. So, but, uh, um, yeah, we just, you know, we tried to stay warm. I did ski, which also, you know, if you're going to live in that part of the country, <laughs> yes. it's a good idea to take up an outdoor winter sport. I don't care if it's ice fishing, skiing, snowmobiling, something. I, I probably am the only, I am probably the only kid from Minnesota who's never been on a snowmobile, though. So Really? I just yeah, did that for the that, first time. Way. I'd love to do it. You know, I just, I, I just never had friends that had them and you know, we didn't have them. So, well, when I was really young, we were, you know, I I spent a lot of time at Squaw Valley growing up skiing Uh and I had a chance to, to get on a, they had a little track in the middle of the parking lot that just went around and, you know, you went around a little track around in circles, always making left-hand turns Uh and kind of like NASCAR, but you know, they wouldn't let, you know, they were, they weren't, I mean, back in the 60s, you know, early 70s, their snowmobiles were not anything like they are now. Right. Never got a chance to do it. Well, Shelly goes, you know, oh, we should go snowmobiling. And I was like, yeah, I've never been. And she goes, really? So we just got back from Idaho in a, a trip that took us up there and we snowmobiled for a day. And it was really cool. I could see doing it again. I don't want to ever live in the cold again. <laughs> you know, to be completely honest. <laughs> sure. You know, are we ever going to move back to Idaho? Probably not. Right, you right. Know, are we going to move to Minnesota or or Montana? Yeah, no, not unless uh, the end of the world is coming and it's the safest place. Sure. You know, but yeah, we're not, uh, I like warmth, chasing 70s. Yeah, yeah <laughs> the older I get, the more I uh, I appreciate warm weather stuff. So, uh, uh I highly doubt I'll be moving back to the upper Midwest anytime soon. So, but I highly recommend going on one of those, uh, you know, renting a snowmobile, uh, you and Mercedes would have a great time doing it. Yeah. yeah you know, it's funny. She, um, her, one of her, uh, previous boyfriends, uh, he actually raced snowcross and, oh, and wow. she's, she's been on snow race snowmobiles and all this stuff. I just not me. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so then, your uh your car culture you know building models um yep i i grew up in the in the years that yes you know we built models um we had matchbox then hot wheels came out and you know the tonka trucks and everything i mean that was my front yard never had a great lawn in it because we had it all dug up for you know little cities almost and mm-hmm. we uh we built revel and AMP models were the were the companies that I remember if I if I'm correct. Yeah, but we uh, we would buy like two models at a time and then kind of intermarry them so that uh, we'd build our own, you know, yeah, monster creations. You might say. 
Yeah, there was there was there's a term for that. They call it kit bashing. Okay. Mm hmm. Didn't realize there was a term for it. Interesting. <laughs> I guess you would know that being that you were, you know, writing for for Scalar magazine. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was a really interesting uh, time because it was it was a hobby that was and arguably can can you could say that it's dying. It's just, you know, people's attention spans aren't aren't long enough. You know, people, uh, everybody wants instant stuff and instant gratification and all that stuff. And, and, you know, it takes time to build a model kit. You know, you generally can't even build one in a day. You know, a lot of times it takes multiple days. And, uh, but yeah, there's a whole culture around that. There are model car shows and, and some of them are well attended. And it's just like going to a cruise in or, or uh, a, a, a car show of full size cars, except everything's about a foot long. And on a table, and uh, it's incredible the, the the passion some of these people have and the details and and uh, I mean there's a there there were people that were these just there was one guy I think his name was Bill Gary and I think he was from Ohio and the guy had to have been six five and he was just his hands were like meat hooks just huge <laughs> guy and he did the most intricate models i always wondered how he even did it but yeah it, it was a neat it was a neat time and and you know as a kid fresh out of college you know it was a cool thing to do and i mean i built models as a kid too i i remember going to robert's drug i think it was robert's drug snyder drug i don't remember the name of it in woodbury minnesota and buying a a model of a 68 uh chevy camaro and i was so excited to build it i opened the box in the car and lost the front right wheel so it huh. like always had three wheels, but I remember it was, you know, my dad was a modeler. He grew up modeling airplanes and then he'd hang them like in dogfight positions over my bed as a kid, you know, with, with a fishing line. So I, I, you know, I was, I was, I was, uh, how do you say familiar with it? And, uh, but yeah, being able to do it with car stuff was, was pretty cool. So then how do you use the psychology I know we're bouncing around here, but how do you yeah. use the psychology in what you've done in, in your career? Well, everybody I meet first gets a personality inventory. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, here, now, sit on this know, couch. <laughs> yes, yes. Look at this ink blot. Tell me what you see. Uh, so that's a really good question. And I, would, I think that the coursework that I did in psychology is really sort of this adjacent thing that probably just helps with with – interpersonal communications between people uh it, it, just because i i think that you know I'm, I'm clearly not you know the joke is oh you're probably analyzing me right now no i'm not analyzing no way it's not true and uh, but you know i do think that the idea of learning about the way people um act and and the and quite literally the psychology behind people is probably advantageous to me being in communications uh, my father was a was a sociology major. He had a so, he had a master's in sociology, which and you know he was he was a salesman all his life, and it's probably one of those things where it absolutely has zero direct uh, 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 correlation to being a salesperson. But having having understand a, having an understanding of human behavior is probably a good asset to have as a sales guy or as I am a, you know, a, a communications or PR guy, you know, right. it's a, uh, it's, it's probably a good thing. Now, you know, I'm not, I'm not digging through, 
you know, psychological studies being like, well, why does he act like that? But, you know, just kind of an overview of, you know, I think I probably have a better understanding of, you know, that than somebody that doesn't have a psych degree. But right. Trying to really, get, I trying to get people to 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 react to the communication that you're putting out. Yeah. 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 And I, I think that, you know, pair that with the journalism minor and and but nothing nothing was more of an asset to me after graduating college and, and truly than the fact that I had experience working at this school newspaper because I you know unlike unlike a lot of other students I I I had some experience so when I went to interview for a magazine I had journalism experience I knew what uh you know AP style was when writing uh, I knew all the proofreading marks and I had published articles and had writers and all that stuff. And I know it was at a college level, but I, t- I took it very seriously. And there's, by the way, a lot of people who don't take it very seriously. And as, as somebody who runs a magazine, I'm sure you realize there are, there are people in, that are adults that don't take it very seriously. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, I mean, that's why Shelley's the editor. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I mean, back then, you know, the student newspaper paid fourteen seventy five a story, right? That's you know, that's a that's some beer money for the week, right? But right. a lot of people just didn't they just didn't take it seriously. But uh, uh, but yeah, anyway, you know, kind of kind of full full circle. I think that having some some psychology experience was was probably uh, was probably a good thing when dealing with with people as much as I do. Excellent. And then with the Scalar magazine, after that stint, what was your was that when you went right to uh, your next stop was Warren? No, um, after Scale Auto, I went to uh, a trade publication for the hobby industry called Model Retailer. And Model Retailer went to hobby shops around the U.S., Canada, and I believe Australia as well. And now that actually included pretty much all the hobbies. So in addition to die cast and, sca- and plastic scale uh, models, it also included uh, military models. It included board games, RC cars, slot cars, board games, books, uh, all kinds of stuff. So I got to, I got to, basically I was a toy tester and it was, it was a lot of fun. So we we would get a, we would get a new team Losi gas powered RC car in, you know, eighth scale monster truck and, you know, they'd send it home with you and, you know, you had to write a review about it, you know, and it had to be, objective and and all that stuff it wasn't this wasn't a, a paid placement this was an objective you know pros cons kind of thing and then generally you got to keep it too which was fun so uh i had a small i had a small fleet of rc cars a couple of rc planes and uh a lot of slot cars i i really got into slot cars i was in the slot cars as a kid like the little ho scale tyco stuff uh but uh these were 132nd scale uh cars and trucks and uh so a little bit bigger so I was actually on a slot car racing league back in Wisconsin, which was a ton of fun. So that's cool. I I can remember going to what was called Playland. I think it was in San Francisco. It was on the coast, just um, right. You know, right off of it, it was an area that was like an amusement park and stuff. And it had circle tracks for our for remote control car or for uh, slot cars. It had drag strip. So Guys were yeah. building cars to run, you know, a hundred foot. Yeah. Um, that you know, with 
cutting and, and creating their own tires out of sponge material. Mm-hmm. It was, I mean, the stuff that was, that guys were doing back then was pretty cool. Yeah. You know? And yeah, slots, uh, I was blown away by it, but yeah, slot cars were a lot of fun. Now there used to be all kinds of commercial tracks where you'd bring your car to the track and they had these huge elaborate layouts and, yep. and they're almost all gone. There was one left when I was in maybe two left. There was one left in Milwaukee and one in Chicago, I think if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a bygone era kind of thing. So. Right. Cause now people just do it digitally. <laughs> that's right. Which is, to me is slot- not as much fun. Yeah, no, I agree. There's something, there's something still fun about tactile analog things these days. Yes. So. I think things are uh, probably a whole nother idea for, sh- for a podcast, but you know, the, the retro, everything goes retro. Um, I don't care if it's clothing styles, but games, I mean, I saw Walkman, somebody walking around with like a Walkman the other day and oh. tapes are coming back and, you know, the old stereo systems, you know, that, that would be the countertop type stereo systems, with yeah. record players, all that stuff's coming, making a comeback after everything went, you know, to, you know, little yeah, what's tiny. old is new. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Yeah. So maybe someday I'll be back in fashion. <laughs> <laughs> Doubt it. <laughs> anyway, so then um, the trade magazine, how long were uh-huh. you there? I was there about a year, year and a half. And then uh, I, I was just itching it to move out west. And uh, I, I loved I loved the um, all the things that were associated with the Pacific Northwest, the outdoors, the skiing, uh, the car culture, all kinds of things. And I just... You know, my, I talked to my wife. She knew I wanted to move out there. She'd been out there a, a number of times with me, and and we just decided, well, if I'm gonna, if we're gonna change our careers, we're gonna do it out there. So I started sending out resumes, and I got this job uh, eventually at Warren. And kind of like I was saying earlier, I was familiar with the, the brand, uh, seeing it in off-road magazines and on television. And uh, and lo and behold, I, I went in for the interview and. I got the call back while I was still out visiting my dad and, and got the job offer. And I, I was, I was stoked. I was really, really stoked. So, uh, it was, uh, it was kind of the goal. The goal was to get into the automotive industry, the full size automotive industry, you know, right. slot cars and model cars. And that stuff was, was fun. And you got a taste of the car culture, you know, but it was different than actual cars. I mean, this is what I had really wanted to do. And lo and behold, I did it. So uh, I ended up, uh, uh, my initial title with Warren was uh, PR, let's see, what was it? It was copywriter slash public relations. And so I was writing press releases and, and catalog copy, brochure copy, you know, back when we were doing primarily printed things. So uh you know, it wasn't until a couple of years later where they went really heavy into digital like everybody else too. Right. So um, I left Warren in 2008 after a, a, a layoff and uh, at with, uh, you know, clearly with lots of other people in 2008. Yes. And uh, I went freelance and I started my own business, which I still have, and uh, started consulting and doing public relations and uh, marketing copy on the side. Warren was actually a client of mine, believe it or not. So I stayed active with them, but I also started my first 
uh, blog site, which was called Subcompact Culture, which was all about small cars. And uh, there was kind of a niche. Uh, small cars were becoming a big deal as the economy was getting bad. Gas prices were going up and all this. Uh, people started getting rid of thirsty large vehicles that cost a lot of money and started moving over towards smaller vehicles. And I always had at least one small car. And I thought, well, let's try this. And I still have the site. Don't I don't do a whole lot with it as, anymore because of the um, a decline in small car stuff. But I still I still do post to it. We still have a Facebook group, Instagram, all that stuff. Uh, and then I got rehired at Warren in, in 2010 full time. And I remember my my boss at the time saying, what is it that you think this company needs from a PR standpoint? And I said, social media. He said, this is a, this is going to be a big thing for businesses. And they had a MySpace account, I think at the time, and they had just started a, a Facebook, a, a Facebook account. And, uh, uh, but with the help of the, um, e-commerce manager, uh, and a number of other people, uh, we, we really took social media to a next level for, uh, the automotive aftermarket. I mean, Warren had one of the biggest followings in the entire automotive aftermarket for a while. I mean, we were winning awards and competitions and stuff like that for, for social media back in the, in the early 2010s. And, and that was exciting. You know, I mean, there was this, there was this new way to talk to our customers and talk to our, our potential users. And, and, you know, we were getting feedback and, and we were getting requests and complaints and comments and everything. And, you know, it was a, it was kind of a big deal, I think, for people to get featured on our page because we were so big at the time. I mean, people would come to us. Like, I was at Rally on the Rocks in Moab in, like, 2011. And for those of you that aren't familiar with it, it's a UTV event in Moab. And I remember taking photos, and this guy's like, these two guys were like, are you with Warren? I'm like, yeah. They're like, are these going to end up on your Facebook page? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, oh, my God, that's awesome. And I remember, like, they were so st- stoked to be on your Facebook page. <laughs> anyway, I, I kind of call that golden era of social media between 2010 and 2013, where, you you know, if you were working it and you had cool content and all that stuff, like, yeah, you were rewarded and, you know, you, you could grow your following and all that stuff. And, like, it was a big deal when we crossed over 100,000 Facebook fans, you know. And, and we still have a very large Facebook group, but it's social media has changed so incredibly much since <laughs> since 2010 2013 yeah so. no kidding it used to be more personal totally and now it's totally yeah it's not so personal anymore yeah there's a lot of pay to play you know uh we we complain about how you know this incredible photo that you took and posted to instagram completely tanks while this photo of your photo of your four by four at the grocery store gets like you know, a billion likes. You're like, why? This makes no sense at all. <laughs> it's so frustrating. But you know, it's it, you know, everybody do, does it. Everybody's doing it. But you kind of wonder what the next steps are are in social media and social media marketing, and what the next platform is going to be, and and where is this taking all of us? You know, I mean, I, I tell you, last yesterday, I <laughs> I was uh, I've been I've been writing uh, an article on tires. And, uh, I like just had to step away and do, I told my wife, I got to do something analog for a while. Like I started grab my guitar and start playing guitar for a while and, uh, acoustic guitar too. So not even electric and just like, I just want to just do something tactile. And I think that that's one reason 
why I, I love working on cars so much too, is it's, it's, you know, I, I jokingly call it garage therapy sometimes, although sometimes it, I feel like I need to go to therapy after working on a, on a car, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, getting out there, stepping away from the screen, uh, you know, turning some wrenches and, you know, moving towards a goal, you know, whether it's something as simple as, you know, replacing a, you know, replacing an air filter or, or, you know, just changing out a set of shocks to, you know, completely rebuilding the front end on a, on an old four by four to take it on a crazy trip. You know, that I was telling my wife, Mercedes, who's also a full-time writer. um, I was saying to her, like, there's, I get a lot of satisfaction out of taking something uh, that needs repair, repairing it, and then doing something cool with it. You know, we, we, we did this thing called the Alcan 5000 rally back in 2020. And we took this old Japanese domestic market Mitsubishi turbo diesel four by four called a Pajero, took it from Kirkland, Seattle, Washington, all the way up to the Arctic Ocean and down to Anchorage. And uh, you know, I, I put a lot of blood, sweat, tears, and and money <laughs> into this thing to get it, to get it to to do this trip. And and we did. We 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 finished it. And and there's a certain amount of pride that you get out of out of doing that. That you know, I don't. I don't get out of a playing a video game or, or, uh, you know, chatting with people on social media. You know, I, I like, I like communicating and talking with people. Don't get me wrong, but there's this, there's this satisfaction of being like, you know what? I put so much work into this and to be able to do it. Like I can't, I can't imagine that feeling of, uh, uh, that, that, that people who like finish KOH must have, you know, after doing this, you know, King of the Hammers, after doing this insane race, and knowing that you put your blood, sweat, tears, you you knew you turned every single bolt on this thing, and you you, know, you welded stuff up and wired it, and then you you run this you know two hundred plus mile grueling rally, and it it did it. I mean that that must be such an amazing accomplishment. And I you know I feel like I got a little taste of how that feels when I completed this rally after putting so much freaking work into this four by four. Right, and did it perform well? Yeah, it performed great. We didn't have any breakdowns. We didn't have any mechanical issues. Awesome. Uh, you know, despite the fact it was 42 below up in uh, Inuvik, up in the Northwest Territories, uh, we, had, you know, we had... 42 below. Yeah, 42 below zero. That's the air temperature. That's without right. a wind chill. And uh, thankfully, we didn't have a whole lot of wind when we were up there, but uh, it's dang cold. You know, we got to drive the ice roads that like were featured on ice road truckers, that kind of stuff. But uh, you know, we, had a, we had safeguards on the vehicle, like a coolant heater. So Webasto makes this product called a Thermotop Evo, and it's a, it's like this, it's a pump with a, with a heater in it. And it just pumps the coolant and heats it. We, even when the car's off, it just pulls from the fuel tank and, uh, uses the batteries that we had, uh, twin Optima deep cell batteries on it. And, um, uh, so for 90 minutes before we would start the thing, we'd circulate the coolant we'd go turn it on. It immediately fires right up and, uh, we have heat. Uh, and, uh, we had some heated Shieldman seats that were great. And, uh, you know, the thing, thing did fantastically. And, you know, when, when you have literally completely rebuilt the, the suspension and the, you know, the, the whole front four wheel drive system down to the you know, needle bearings and all this stuff, when that, when you don't have a single problem with it and you get home, you're like, yes, I did it, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it worked. So I, I just I I love the I love the pride associated with doing your own work on a vehicle and and plus which you know I mean you know if something does go wrong uh, you know you're the only one you can blame and 
there's also you learn you just learn so much you know and back when i was in when i was in the hobby industry and and just as i was getting out of it they were coming out with the ready to run uh uh rc cars so you know back when i when i was i was into rc cars by the way back in high school and i had bought a team losi junior t which was the entry level like but but you know what good truck but it was like an entry level truck but you know you got a, a box the size of a desktop and it came with about 16 trillion parts i mean you were putting the balls and the ball bearing differentials you know you were putting the shock oil in the shock absorbers uh but back in the in the late two or, or excuse me around 2005 mid 2000s they were coming out with ready to run stuff so you, you know the consumer didn't have to build it so uh, while that was great and all, because you could get into this really fun, fast RC car, the first time you crashed it into a tree or a guardrail or something like that at a track, if you, you didn't know how to fix it. And so RC car shops were opening up service departments, just like full-size car shops and charging 70 bucks an hour, 75 bucks an hour. And so, you know, when you work on a car or a truck, you learn how to put it back together hopefully. <laughs> and so, you know, I think that, you know, back when I got my first four wheel drive, you know, I, I worked on, on, you know, cars. I was into the lowered car scene before I was into the lifted truck scene. And, uh, and I worked on cars, but it was, I, I never worked on anything with four wheel drive hubs, for instance, or a front drive shaft or, you know, anything like that. And they were different. They were a solid front axle. You know, they were, they were, they were way different. And, uh, but getting in, getting, into working on a four wheel drive was, was a great learning experience. You know, I was, I had a, my first four wheel drive was a 95 Suzuki and it was a sidekick. And, uh, I, you know, did everything on that and had, had a lot of help along the way. Uh, but you know, from basic things like doing a, a, a brake job on something with front hubs was, you know, much more involved than doing a brake job on a, you know, a lower Honda or a Nissan, you know, uh, and then, you know, putting in, putting in a rear mechanical locker, you know, I had my buddy, Eric Buley of Zuki world. He went down to his place and he showed me how to do it, you know, and, and I, and I appreciate it when somebody isn't just like, Oh, I'll do it for you. It's, I will show you how to do it, you know? And, and, uh, I have a, a great coworker at Warren named Chad, uh, and he's, he's super, super knowledgeable and he'll, he'll never do it for you. But he'll tell you, he'll show you how to do it, which is great because you just learn about, you know, how to put, how am I going to put these rock sliders on my Cherokee? He's bring it in. We'll do it. Okay. Now he didn't do it for me. But he, he walked helped. you through it. Right. But he, he helped. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, I learned how to do it because he was showing me how to do it. You know, I, I had the, the impact gun and putting the, the bolts in Well, he's holding it in place, help me out. But, you know, uh, you know, that, that for that kind of stuff, for example, you know. I can't wait to get back to that. Yeah. The one thing I miss about our lifestyle, living basically on the road, mm -hmm. is that we don't have, we don't have workspace. Mm -hmm. Like Shelly's art projects are, you know, she can't spread out and, and do, you know, a multi-day art project because we don't have the space to do that. Sure. Sure. So everything, you know, she, if she wants to spend two hours, it's like half an hour to set up, half an hour to tear down, and then one hour of doing it. Same thing with doing any repair or modifications on the vehicles. It's always like, okay, 
who's got a shop that I can use? And then, you know, some of the guys that I go visit their shops, they're like, well, just get out of the way and let me do this and get it. We'll get it done. Mm-hmm. And I guess at my age now, I'm like, okay, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I totally understand because I and, worked you know, as a mechanic for years. I don't necessarily want the bloody knuckles all the time. <laughs> oh, I, I completely understand. You know, I've, I've got, I've got, you know, a few vehicles and, and there's always that, there's always that one time of the year where like they all need work. But just <laughs> even, even if it's just, They'll all, there's like always one time of the year where all five vehicles need an oil change. And I'm like, usually like, listen, an oil change, okay, fine. 20 minutes, half hour, we're done. Um, but then I'm like, I got to do this five times. You know, some are easier than others. You know, I got to take off this ridiculous skid plate off of one of the vehicles I have. Actually, they all have ridiculous skid plates, but one is just bigger and heavier than the others. Uh, but even, you know, I'm not, I'm not getting any younger. I'm 43 and I just had a unfortunate back injury back in, in, September and uh I was sidelined for a while from doing anything car related and I was on my back for two uh, two weeks straight but uh um yeah I mean I also don't have I do have a driveway and a carport and a tool shed and all that stuff but uh yeah I don't have a a, a lift and I don't have a I don't have a garage uh so you know I'm I I am outside doing this you know <laughs> and if it's a mandatory thing that's got to get fixed <laughs> I'm out there bundled up, you know, I've got my, my crappy water resistant jacket for getting grease all over. And my wife one year for Christmas bought me one of these Milwaukee tool jackets. That's got the 12 volt heated, uh, heated, uh, pack. And okay, that thing is great. But, uh, but you know, I'm not in a heated garage with epoxy floors on the left and, you know, a beer fridge. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, someday maybe, but, uh, all my wrenching is done in the, in the, uh, in the elements, but, uh, but I had never really thought about it. Like in your case, yeah. I mean, you don't have a place to do that stuff. You gotta, you gotta find somewhere. And I've, yeah. I've had more times than I'm, I'm willing to admit times where I've had a vehicle that's broken down on the road, and I gotta find somebody that can help me because I'm, I'm literally broken down at, at a filling station in the middle of nowhere, Montana. You know, and then you gotta rely on the kindness of strangers to help out sometimes, and. Uh, or, you know, the amazing off-road community that, that can be so exceptionally helpful, uh, you know. And you know, I can do a lot of when I bug people, but at the same time, it's we've had ex- exceptional experiences with people who I barely even know that have helped get us back on the road when, you know, when our Cherokee blew a radiator in, in Colorado or, you know, or uh, when our little Honda even just driving back from Wisconsin this year lost an alternator, you know, so... Yeah, that's the one thing where I have to say that social media and having a community has been really helpful with what we do, where we're traveling totally all the time. And I don't care if it's the truck, the semi, or if it's the Jeep or the pickup or whatever. If if I'm on the road, some if we're on the road somewhere and something goes wrong, you know, I can... As long as I've got cell service, I can post up on Facebook and say, hey, is, do I know anybody around here? I have a lot of people that will contact me and say, hey, you know, you know, just about everybody where, you know, my daughter is stuck in this town. Do you know anybody? Yeah. And I'll say, maybe I don't know anybody particular, but let's see if my network does. Yeah, And then exactly. all of a sudden, boom, we got somebody over there, you know, pulling her out yeah. of the a muddy field or something, whatever, you know, that just happened in 
some a friend in Alabama, you know, his daughter was in Alabama and he was like in Arizona and he's like, I need somebody over in this area. And I'm like, Oh, well, let me see what I can do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree that the, the community can be so good and social media is an excellent platform <laughs> to, if you need assistance. And that's exactly what happened to us when our alternator went out in, in a town of 81 people in the, in a Canyon in Montana. And, uh, you know, thanks to the off-road community and, and, uh, uh, you know, the network that we have, we were able to get a tow to Spokane and then get the thing fixed in Spokane and, uh, you know, be on the way the next day. And, uh, it was, uh, it was amazing. And, and I, I, like I said, I've broken down enough times to know how to do this now. So, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, yeah, it's, it's an amazing thing. Yeah. We lost an idler pulley on the Cherokee coming through. Oh, it was the Arizona Indian nations that, mm-hmm. and literally, we were two and a half hours from anybody that we knew. I made a post and I had, what was a guy named Cody Folsom? He, luckily he's a, he's a, one of our racers. He, a Cherokee guy. And he goes, Oh, I know what part you need. Boom. He went, bought it locally, drove, handed it to me, helped me replace it and then drove home. Yeah. But I had yeah. two other people that offered to bring parts from other parts of Arizona. Um, you know, just to help out. It was, it was pretty cool. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. That's awesome. We, we broke down in our Cherokee. We lost a AC compressor pulley and, uh, uh, we got scooped up by a trucker who was also a Jeeper. And we ended up with that Cherokee on the bed, flatbed of a truck. And he took us to his house in, uh, uh, Henderson and we offloaded it. And, we went to O'Reilly's, bought all the all the components. He's like, well, might as well just replace everything while we're here. And his wife cooked us dinner and all this stuff. And <laughs> he recharged the AC system. And it was a late night, but he got us back on the road. I mean, this was this was just the kindness of a stranger who also was a jeeper. And you know, he didn't. You know, you just you help each other out. You know, we need more of that in the world. Yeah, we do. Absolutely. And that's, that's the greatest thing. I, it, it always, these always come back to that with our industry or our lifestyle, the off-road in, lifestyle industry is that, you know, there, there's a kinship there. Unlike I think most, and I think what it is, is that, that, that people can do this or are enthusiasts everywhere. Yeah. You know, I, I agree. I think know. that's a really good point. You know, when I, when I joke, when I, well, I wasn't joking. When I, when I say we're united by horsepower, this is, you know, they say music is the universal language. Well, if there's a second universal language, it might be horsepower. And, uh, I remember just, gosh, I don't know, a couple of years ago, I was looking on, on, uh, I think it was Facebook and there was this group of people, I think they were in, India or Pakistan. I don't remember somewhere in that area of the world. And they had, you know, one guy had a Jeep, one guy had a land cruiser. Uh, you know, there were a couple of Mitsubishi's there were a couple of, you know, all kinds of stuff. And they, they were just out having a great time on the trails wheeling. And like, that is universal. Like I'm going, man, that looks like a lot of fun, you know? And again, I don't, I don't care if I'm in, you know, if I'm in 
Arizona or Japan. I mean, people who are into cars and trucks, they're into it. And like, I don't care if you're into, if you're into low riders and I'm into lifted Chevys, but we both respect the fact that we both love automotive stuff, then I'm totally cool. Right. You know? And again, like I know, yeah, gearheads and, and all that stuff, motorheads and, and all that, like, it's, it's awesome. You know, I just, I, I just today, this is kind of ridiculous, but just today I, I was selling some, I had a brew, brewing kit. Like I used to brew beer and I meet this guy and he, we agree on a price and we meet at just the, the convenience store parking lot around the corner from my house. And I show up in my right-hand drive turbo diesel JDM Mitsubishi Pajero. And this guy, and he's from, he's from Germany. And he's like, is that a diesel? I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah. And he's like, is it, did you bring it in from Japan? I was like, yeah, it came from Japan. And well, then we start, he starts telling me, he's like, he's got an Xterra and he just put a new engine in it. And uh, he starts telling him, we start talking about stories about going off-roading and, and camping and traveling. And, and suddenly my wife's texting me. She's like, did you meet a new best friend or something? What's going on? <laughs> I like, are you okay? You know, <laughs> send me a text if you're in trouble. And, uh, it just turned out to be another another guy that was into into trucks and four wheel drive and 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 camping and outdoor stuff and, and we just kind of started hitting it off and and I'm like man this is this is so cool you know it's amazing how a, a common a common interest like like motor vehicles motorsports cars trucks whatever can can lead to friendships and I mean I. Listen, the, the the guy who the guy who picked us up in his semi truck back in like 2017 outside of Las Vegas, I'm still friends with him. I see him at King of the Hammers and stuff, and you know, still keep in touch with him. You know, another buddy of mine, Greg Gardner, who lives out in 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 Colorado. Yep. We had another interest, another another failure with the Cherokee when the uh, radiator went out. It was like 100 degrees outside. You know, when we. <laughs> Yeah, I posted on Facebook and he's like, if you need, if you need somewhere to work on it, I got a shop. I'm like, where are you? And I think he's outside of Fruta, Colorado. And, uh, so I'd never met him. I, I, I think we were friends on Facebook, but I didn't know him, but he, he opened up his shop. I, I think he maybe even gotten, went, went out and gotten coolant for us. And, um, and he let us, you know, dirty up his shop and, <laughs> and all that stuff. And, you know, we've been friends with him ever since. My wife rides, oftentimes rides with him at Jeep Safari. Uh, you know, she's done the flat fender run with him out there, and uh, you know, and met his wife and all that. And you know, it's it's so cool the 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 friendships, lifelong friendships. You know, I did the JP Magazine Dirt and Drive a couple couple of times, and I have a whole crew of friends that have that I keep in contact with, and. Uh, I mean, I, I bought two two trucks down in Texas, and I drove separate separately, but drove them back um, uh, to Oregon. And you know, a couple of those guys who I met on the dirt drive went out and looked at it at it for me, and you know, and then we went and hung out with them, bought this truck, and drove home. And we see them every year at Jeep Safari, and and I think too, you know, with the events starting back up again and all that, it's a lot of these end up being almost family reunions, you know, or at least off road family reunions. Yes. You know, I, 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 I know people that avoid events like Jeep Safari, like the plague, because the trails are clogged up and all that stuff. And there's too, you, know, you can't get in to eat anywhere and your camping's all taken up. And, and I, I totally understand that. For me, going to events like Jeep Safari, King of the Hammers, Overland Expo, all these things, 
it's not for me as an industry person. It's not about the the event as much it is about the people. And I know that sounds cliche, like oh, it's about the people, but it really, really is. When when people like you and me live the lifestyle, I mean, we really do. You right. know, this is what we do. I mean, yeah, I do other things too, but but you know, when I'm when I'm into car stuff, I'm into car stuff and truck stuff, and and uh, so going to these events for me is a is a I may only see some of these people once or twice a year. And so uh, it, it's always great to catch up, you know, and from a business perspective, it's great too. But from a, from a personal perspective, even if I'm in the booth, getting to talk to people, getting to know people, I mean, I've, I've met people that I've become friends with simply because I was in the booth at, at, at Warren Industries at a show. You know, it's, it's, it's neat. I just appreciate that. I, I totally look at those kind of events as, I'm there for the for the people mm-hmm. to see friends, to meet friends, the the whole social aspect of it. Um, if I want to go trail trail wheeling or or rock crawling or anything else, I'm out at that stuff at every one of our events, and I'm there the week before and for part of the week after, and I get all that I need of that. Just by setting up the courses and, and sure. cruising around out in the areas. But it's, uh, when I go to Easter Jeep, I rarely ever go on a trail. And if I do, it's typically I'll get asked by one of the, the companies, you know, Hey, you want to come along with us on this run? Sure. You know, and we go out and do that, but it's about the people. It's not about the run. You know, it's not yeah. about the, you know, Oh, I can do this and, you know, see what I'm doing. That kind of thing. It's, I, I don't know if it's ever been that way for me with, and I guess it's maybe because of what I do in the industry, putting on the events, that I don't need that that part of it. I, right. I, it's more the social end of it that I right. that I really enjoy, the like-mindedness. Yeah. It's, it's that camaraderie. You know, it's, it's, it's being with like-minded people who we all have a common interest. And I, I hear it every year about like some of the overlanding events where people go, why would I pay all this money to go camp in a field? And you're like, well, you're missing the point. This, this isn't supposed to be a camping trip. This is a, a trip that is about camaraderie and sharing stories of what you've done. And yeah, you might hit, you might hit some trails during or after the event, but that's not what this is about. Just like I look at Jeep Safari as, like, I can go to Moab and go wheeling whenever. I'm right. like, that's not what, you know, if, if I, I think if you go to these events with the wrong mindset, you're going to have a bad time. But, you know, if, if your idea is, and, and this goes for pretty much all of, all of the events in our industries, you know, if, if, you, if you go with this idea that, well, I'm just here, I'm just there to go wheeling. Well, so is everybody, you know, everybody else is there too, and they're going to go wheeling. But what, what you're, what the, best part of these shows is in my opinion is is the people and and you know getting to know other people who are into the things you're into right and that's one of the things that we always talk about is in our industry and i'm sure it's this way in other industries as well but at the the big shows like that it is about about meeting your friends Mm -hmm. and it's it's not and the, the the people in the industry have a completely different view of it than the enthusiasts that are that are in the lifestyle as well. Yeah, that's a that's a really again a really uh, observant point, Rich. I think that uh, 
I know that there are people, and there's nothing wrong with this. There's some people that work in the auto industry that, you know, and again, there's nothing wrong with this, but there are some people who aren't enthusiasts who work in the auto industry. You know, they could be selling blenders or, you know, they could be, you know, doing something in apparel. They're not in it because they love cars. They're in it because it's a good job, and that's totally fine. There's uh, the flip side to that. There (laughs) There are those of us who have gasoline and diesel running through our veins, (laughs) <laughs> and we love we love working in this industry and the lifestyle around it. And I, I, le- I left the auto industry briefly. In 2014, I went to work for a company in the um, construction, uh, mining, and oil and gas industry that, that made uh, parts for those, uh, for machines. And I thought, well, you know what? I can always have the automotive thing is, can always be my thing my passion and can always be my hobby, but I don't need to work in it. And I remember seeing people, uh, going to, I only lasted like three months there. No, six months. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It didn't last a year. Let's put it that way. I remember watching people going to Jeep Safari and Overland Expo and all these shows and thinking, man, I, I miss the, I miss going to those and seeing all the cool rigs and talking to people and, you know, getting, being outside all the time. And, and, uh, I, I really learned that I, I have a, I have a fondness for the industry itself. There's a lots of really, really good people in it. There's a lot of people who share so many of the, the passions that uh, are universal for people who are into cars, trucks, SUVs, whatever. Uh, again, it doesn't matter if it's a, if it's a Lamborghini or if it's a, you know, a Lincoln, <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, if, 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 if you're, if you're cool about shared automotive passions, then I think that's cool. So this industry is full of lots of really awesome, passionate people. Absolutely. And there's so many different things, aspects to the industry and mm-hmm. lifestyle. You know, it's especially, you know, somebody that wants to get into the end, you know, get on the industry side of it and go to work for um, either a manufacturer or retailer or fab shop or whatever, you know, yeah. that's, there's all sorts of different types of jobs out there and people are starving for employees. Oh God, it, uh, that's true. Uh, I, I'd urge your listeners to go to the Warren Industries careers page. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> look at the opening positions. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's absolutely true. So many employers are looking for, for, for workers and, you know, I mean, most people start out somewhere and and work their way up. I, you know, I s- certainly did. And uh, you know, getting your getting your foot in the door, you know, is is a big deal. And you know, trying to take those opportunities, trying to find those opportunities is it can be difficult. But now is is people are looking for employers so much that you know, if you wanted to go work for a company that is in the automotive industry, there's probably more openings than there ever have been. And, you know, you might not start out as the owner of a, of a, uh, a, you know, a fab shop or a, a, you know, an off-road outfitter or something like that, but just getting your foot in the door is a big step. People ask me, just like I used to ask people, how do I get into this industry? You know, and, you know, it's a, a lot of times it's, it's being at the right place at the right time and knowing the right people as, as well as having the right skills. But, you know, uh, Again, you you don't become the you don't become the the lead mechanic generally on day one. 
you know, Correct. you don't become you don't become the head of the marketing department at your favorite tire company. The you know, with your first with your first go round, you know, a lot of people make their way up, and uh, uh, yeah, you know, I, I just I remember emailing people at at companies and, and and magazine outlets and stuff like that, saying, "So, I'm I'm a I'm a fresh college grad." You know, how do I how do I get into this thing? You know, and people would you know, oh, you know, you're probably going to end up at a small magazine, and you know, just you just kind of gotta you know make a pitch about what you can do and all that, and and I you know it's, I don't care if it's a fab shop if it's a or what it is. I mean, you you gotta you gotta pitch yourself, right? And and uh, turns out it turns out I end up working alongside of some of these people that I actually sent emails to back in the day when I was you know. <laughs> 22 years old and or 23 years old and and uh trying to find out trying to find my first career job you know and uh it's it's just funny you know my father my late father used to say you never know where you're going to end up and that's so true and you know uh you just you know i i, I didn't set out to to become a you know a, a communications person at a, at a four-wheel drive company um but i so I, i'm just you know i thank my lucky stars for the opportunities that I've had, but you know, it's a, it's an interesting journey. So, so what is next for the Lilenthal's? Oh, what is next? Um, <laughs> besides, besides Warren and the, you know, the, yeah. the, the, the job that pays the bills sure. and that you're, you're doing full time, you know, the writing adventures, that kind of thing. What yeah. do you, what do you got on the horizon? Yeah, or what yeah, are you yeah. looking to do? Yeah. Um, well, our our big thing that we have on the horizon right now, as as a couple, my wife Mercedes and I, uh, will be competing in the 2022 Alcan 5000 Rally. So uh, that uh, 5,000 plus miles up through Canada and Alaska, and uh, it's a time speed distance rally. So it's not how fast you get there; it's how accurately you get there. So. Uh, so we're very much looking forward to that. We're not sure which vehicle we're going to do it in this year, but uh, that's that's definitely on the docket. Um, and then, uh, you know, I, I think I think as the world continues to open up again from this whole COVID craziness, you know, continuing to travel and uh, it's it's, a, it's another passion of of ours is, you know, where where are we going to go next? You know, and and. Uh, you know, we were the last, the last big, big trip we did was the Alcan 5000 in 2020. They went up to the Arctic ocean, but we were in Iceland in, in, in 2019. And, uh, we rented the brand new, uh, 2019 at the time Suzuki Jimny and, uh, you know, solid front and rear axles, low range transfer case and all that stuff. It's a little mountain goat and it was fantastic. And, uh, so we got to do some of the off-roading out over there and met some off-roaders and all that stuff. And, uh, so I think uh, you know, keeping on traveling and 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 uh, you know, continuing to continuing to write at, at a pace that I I want to write at, <laughs> as opposed to <laughs> as opposed to necessity. And uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, it's a it's such a weird time in in all of our lives right now with with COVID and all the things going on. And um, uh, I look forward to some sort of normalcy here and then in the next couple of months, hopefully, and, and, uh, getting back out on the road more and, and meeting more people and hitting the trail more, hopefully. And, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. So 
so some big events, hopefully some more small events coming up and, and more travel. So that's awesome. The, uh, the travel is one of the things that we'd like to do as well. Mm-hmm. We, we had planned to go to Costa Rica during the Christmas to New Year type this year. And oh, wow. because of the, the, the new thing, whatever it was that came out that was really fast and, you know, went yeah. through everybody really quick. We were afraid of getting stuck. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know if stuck is the right word. Getting totally get it. Not being able to get out of Costa Rica. Let's put it yeah, that way. Not being able to get home. Yeah. That's so a concern. We, we, we backed out of that opportunity, but, uh, you know, we want to, we want, we do want to do those kind of things. Uh, I want to get back to Australia, but the next time I go, I want to do, I'd like to do like six months. Oh yeah. You know, you and me both 18 days or whatever, 16 days, whatever we did in Australia last time. That's not even enough to see anything. Yeah. You know, it'd be like coming to the States and getting a rental car and saying, okay, good. Go see what everything you can in 16 days. (laughs) Good luck. Now you've been to Japan, haven't you? Yes. Yes. So that's, that's my bucket list trip. And I was going to do, we were going to do it in 2020 until, you know, COVID. And, uh, uh, but there's a, there's a couple of people in Japan that I really want to meet and a couple of off-road things that I really want to do and see. And that's, that's my bucket list. But uh, there's some other places we want to go to, but Japan is, is for the, for the, just what, I don't even know how to, how to say it. I say this with all due respect, but for the crazy car culture that's over there. Like, I, I just, you could probably just put me on the side of the road for a day, and I'd just be like, "Whoa, this is insane!" <laughs> so, do, you, do you know Neazumi? Oh, I Suda. Don't. Oh, 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 oh! I know the name. I don't know him personally. Okay. Well, when you get ready to go, he's down in the Nara um, area. It'd be what the south uh, east. Okay. Um, outside of Osaka, mm-hmm. and. He is a car guy. He's got a fab shop. He builds buggies. They build drifters. Yeah. They build. He's got a what is it? A Camaro. Um, oh wow! That is like you know a Fast and Furious type setup. I mean, it's he's yeah. pretty cool. And have to hook you up with with him. But yeah. we went there. Um, did he has an off road event that he does every year there? Rock crawl, and then uh, he you know with with his fab shop and everything and. Then yeah. we, we did took the bullet train from there up to Tokyo, and that was uh, that was insanity. Yeah, that's what that's what I hear. He's the guy that has the the rock crawling course that you see in all the photos, yes. right? That's kind of like lined with bamboo and and like or tall trees or whatever it is. And, yep. And he holds like the Jimny rock crawl event there and that all that is stuff. Him. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have a I have a friend who lives over there. His name is Christopherson Domingo. Yes, and, uh, I know Christopher. Runs, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He runs Wani Media, and uh, I, I, you know, I've I've talked to him quite a bit, and uh, I definitely have to meet him one of these days. And uh, but yeah, that's a that's a, It's also like fascinating. The off road culture is so different in different places. You know, J- Japan with its you know Jimny rock crawling versus Iceland with its big balloon tire, you know, super duties and 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 everything else. You right. know, it's it's uh, it's so cool to just experience how everybody else does it because we're all doing it but we're all doing it a little bit different you know it's kind of like it's like kind of like going to a chili cook-off everybody's making chili but none of them are the same correct that's a great analogy 
I like that. So yeah, if you get over when you get your that life list trip to Japan, let me know. And uh, yeah, I will. I've got some other friends over there too that we can uh, we can you know hook you up with, and you guys can can Sweet. meet them and and really immerse yourself in the culture. It's it's phenomenal. It really yeah. is. They're oh, it's awesome. So polite and helpful. Uh-huh. I can remember standing on a we were standing on a corner in. Um, yeah, we were outside of Tokyo in one of the suburb areas and we were trying to get to one place and the Ichigawa was where we were trying to get to. And Shelly goes, Oh, I know where that's at. We, we saw it on the train yesterday. So we, uh, we looked it up and we were going, instead of Ichigawa, we went to Ichikawa. (laughs) All right. And, uh. We went like 45 minutes, maybe an hour in the wrong direction on the train oh, out geez. of Tokyo to the other side. So instead of going west, we went east Oh boy! or something like that. And, you know, we, we, we'd counted and said, okay, it's going to be, you know, 17 stations. Well, the train line ends at 15 stations when we realize we're not going the right direction. <laughs> so then we go, we turn around and go back and then we get off. At the wrong one, which, because it was the Kawagawa thing, and, uh, you know, we're just standing on the street corner. It was Shelly, myself, and Josh England with all our luggage, and, you know, we just look like we're totally out of place. You know, three large Americans, and everybody else is, you know, tiny, and they're, you know, we just, like, help, (laughs) and... and, (laughs) People would stop and help. Say, oh, okay, here's where, you know, what you got to do. <clears throat> Whether they could speak English well or not, yeah. they were very, very helpful. That's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely a place to go. And spending time in Tokyo, especially, um, there's a, the, the, the I, I guess it's like the largest train station, um, Shinjuku I'm probably not saying it right. Um, train station at the time that we went, 2.2 million people a day went through that train hub. It's and, like it's almost incomprehensible. Incomprehensible. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, when when you stepped out of the tunnel, the walking tunnel into the main corridors, it was like what I I, I equated it to spawning fish running up the river. <laughs> Yeah. You just got in the flow and you had to keep up. Otherwise you yeah. got run over and you had to find an eddy, which, you know, right behind a pillar or something. And you would just sneak behind the pillar because everybody's <laughs> going around the pillar and you'd catch your breath and go, okay, are we still in the right direction? Are we going the right way? You know, yeah. it was just crazy. How yeah, like a, a stream of people. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, and everybody was moving fast. Mm-hmm. And the one thing about Japan especially in the Tokyo area, everybody queues up really well. They'll stand mm-hmm. in line and be all perfect and just everybody waiting. But when that door opens up, you can't hesitate. Yeah. You will get run over. <laughs> 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 it was like, everybody's just da, 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 da. And then doors open and it's just madhouse. Wow. Pretty crazy. So, is there anything that you guys, you want to talk about that you haven't? Can you think of? Oh, 
Um, yeah, I guess like, uh, you know, one, one other thing that we do, uh, I started a, a second blog in 2016 called Crankshaft Culture. Right. And Crankshaft Culture really envelops this idea that every car is an adventure. Every vehicle is an adventure. You know, we're united by horsepower. It, it's like we're all in it for the same thing. So I started this uh, just before we went to New Zealand and, and, you know, I got a taste of some, you know, New Zealand and Australia. And, uh, uh, so we've been, we've been running that. My wife and I've been running that since 2016 and, and we've got a really good Facebook group and, and, you know, social media as well as our blog site. So, but, uh, um, yeah, I, I think that, uh, just that idea of automotive open-mindedness and, and you know, you know, you don't, you know, might not be into Toyotas. You know, maybe you're a Jeep guy and you're not a Toyota guy, but you know, take a look at something. You'll never know. You might be like, oh, you know what? That's that's actually really cool. You know, or you know, you might not be into stock car racing. You know, but you might, you know, take a look at it. Maybe you know, you might find something you like. You know, open mind, like we're all in, we're all in it together. And listen, you don't have to like everything. I'm not, I'm not some like automotive hippie here. You know, I'm not like, I'm just like, <laughs> you know, I, I, but. You know, I, I have, you know, I have certain cars and trucks that I don't really like that much either, but, but you know what? Somebody does like it and I'm never gonna, uh, you know, look down my nose at them because they're passionate about, uh, I don't know. They're passionate about S 10 blazers and I could, I have zero desire to own one. I have a friend who's just, he's nuts about him. He loves blazers and, and S 10s. And it's just never been something I've been into, but I, I just think his passion for it is awesome. Like, that's so cool. Like here's this vehicle that I've always just never been into or never thought much about. And here's this guy. He's, he just bought one that was up from Alaska and he had it shipped across the U S and all this. And I'm like, there truly is a fan base for everything with wheels. It's unbelievable. That's very, very true. Mm-hmm. That's very true. I, there's, I can always I I may not be into what somebody is doing in that like you said with the S10 Blazers or you know whatever they may be building but the passion and the desire that they have to to do it is still phenomenal and exactly you don't know what drives that person um or the people that are in that part of you know that niche right and it to me, I've never been, huh, I've never really been brand loyal to anything. Mm-hmm. Sure. I may say this, you know, Chevy did a really good job on this, or Dodge did a good job on this, or Ford mm-hmm. did a good job on this, and right. Nissan or Toyota, you know, they all have their their things that they did outstanding, and they all have things that they did that they screwed up. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's, there's no doubt in that. And, uh, you know, it's just... It's cool, and I hope that when I do get a shop space again, that what I really want to do myself is collect specific vehicles that I've always wanted or have had in the past, and then bring them back, bring it back to life. Yeah, that's cool. You know, and I'm hoping I'd be able to do that. Shelly gets her art space so she can do her woodworking or jewelry making or whatever it is she wants to do. We'll have like, you know. 20 sections for her and then we'll have a shop section for me (laughs) and then we'll meet in the middle for the welding and wood and metal cutting. (laughs) There you go. Next stop world peace. There you go. That's it. Yeah. That's crazy now, isn't it? Anyway. Yeah. No kidding. 
All right. Well, Andy, I want to say thank you so much for coming on board and spending some time with us and talking about your history and your passions. And uh, I've always appreciated your your willingness to answer questions for me and, you know, pick up that phone or like when you gave us the tour around the Warren facility there, I really appreciated that. Thank you. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. And um, uh, it's an honor to be on the show. I appreciate it. And uh, I look forward to uh, hopefully seeing you at Jeep Safari. Yep. You'll see us there. Excellent. Sounds awesome. Okay. Take care. You too. If you enjoy these podcasts, please give us a rating. Share some feedback with us via Facebook or Instagram and share our link among your friends who might be like-minded. Well, that brings this episode to an end. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll catch you next week with Conversations with Big Rich. Thank you very much.